name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So as Sam told us in his great children's sermon that this is, the gospel today is about the ten lepers. And what we hear in this story is this one leper that goes back to give thanks. And it's a, it's a beautiful story for that. Being thankful is a wonderful thing. It's an admission that, there is a, that you're a receiver and you have received a gift to say thank you. We express our appreciation for a gift with gratitude and thankfulness. And this one leper does do that. And in fact, Martin Luther says when he was asked what is the true meaning of worship, he says it's the leper that went back to Jesus. But I want us to just pause for a moment in the middle of this story about thankfulness and wonder what life was like for these 10 lepers before they became labeled as lepers. They were full people. They have full lives, but they were left untouchable, not allowed into the synagogue or into any public place where they might infect other people. They were also very unpleasant to look at and be around because they were wasting away, losing themselves one layer at a time. This meant they were outcasts from their families, their friends. They could only have relationships with other lepers. So there was also a moral element because they were blamed for their condition. They had a disease that was on the molecular level and yet they were blamed for their condition. They must have done something wrong or maybe their families had done something wrong for them to be punished in this way, that God would punish them. So we don't know anything about the life they had before they became ill, but we do know that they were labeled as lepers and that was all anyone needed to know about them to keep their distance. Lepers were full people hiding in plain sight. So somehow this, to me, relates to the epidemic of mental health issues in our time. The pandemic has really exacerbated our feelings of anxiety and difference, isolation. We feel like lepers of a sort, odd, wounded, hurting, not belonging, trying to fit into the club, even coming into a room with this many people sometimes now after the pandemic or in the middle of it, wherever we are, can feel a little overwhelming. So we feel like we are having these, we're hiding ourselves, whether it's in the office or school with other moms and dads and our family and our neighborhood and our friend group, making yourself fit into what everyone else wants you to do. No one is exempt from this. Everybody has got their own story. Ken Burns has a new documentary um, called Hiding in Plain Sight, and it's about youth mental health. In it, 20 people ages 11 to 30 describe what it's like to hide behind a happy face while you're really hurting inside. Here are some of the phrases that they used to describe their interiority. There's a loop of anxiety in my head and it just doesn't stop. Fear feels like a force that is pushing me. We don't have the words and we don't know how. We don't want anyone to know what's going on. We hide because we're afraid of judgment. We've been hurt before. We put on an air of got it together and not needy so that others will include us and not see us in our weakness. We want to be seen for who we are, but hiding is easier 
less scary. Does anyone really see me? So I remember this feeling as a young mother. I was volunteering, it came straight back to me. I was volunteering to teach Sunday school at my church and there was an orientation. I was new to the community so I didn't know very many people and um, I was a single mom at that point and not feeling very confident and we went around the room. We had 10 people in the room and they asked everyone to share something about themselves with the group. So the first person shared something about how their children were top of their class and had absolutely no problems. And then the second one said they just won all these trophies. They didn't have any room in their house for all the trophies anymore. And then the last one was talking about um, how easy it was to learn Suzuki with your child, who's three years old, to play violin. And I'm thinking, oh no, like all of my insecurities are coming right up, like, oh no, what am I going to say? And then there's a little bit of silence, and the next woman goes, and she says that she is barely keeping up with the demands of motherhood, and she forgot to sign, she just remembered that she forgot to sign the field trip permission slip that morning, and then she passed. It, honestly, it was, I remember that moment because it was like my soul was released from its like, cage. She had spoken the truth in this room, and I felt like I could breathe again. I don't even remember what I said, except, thank God, that she had said that. By the end of the meeting, everyone had admitted that we needed each other, because parenting is a relationship, not a job, and we all need help. So we adopted this as-is policy, meaning that we could come as we are, not as we should be. I experienced grace in that room that day because I felt seen and free. Grace is revealed, not earned. So there's an important phrase in the scripture today to help us understand who Jesus is and how grace meets us where we are. It says, Jesus saw them. It harkens back to the time in Exodus when God is telling Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings. Jesus saw these ten men as people who were afflicted by a disease, people who were cut off for their families and relationships because of something they had no control over. And when they asked him for mercy, he does not quiz them on their biblical knowledge or previous religious experience, or how thankful they will be when he heals them. No, he sees their misery, and he heals them. That's what Jesus does. That's why God came to us as Jesus, because he saw our affliction. Robert Capon points out that the nine who went to the priest returned to their religious life of rules and regulations. Whereas this one Samaritan, so he's a Samaritan and a leper, doubly rejected, sees that Jesus is the true priest, the healer who asks no price for the healing. So you may be hiding in this very room, feeling unknown, feeling like you don't belong. You tell yourself that no one else is feeling the way that you are feeling today. You may be single and feeling lonely are married and thinking other people are more happily married than you are, or childless and seeing only couples with children, or struggling financially and envisioning that everyone around you is rich. 
You may be feeling guilty for your success because it distances you from old friends. You may have a disease and everyone else looks healthy. Or maybe aging has made you feel rejected and yearning for the glory days. Or maybe someone close to you has died and you're hiding your grief. Or feeling below average at school or at work, imagining that everyone around you is breezing through without problems, without anxiety, without depression. Whether you have the words or not, like the lepers, your heart is crying out for mercy, for love, for healing, for resurrection. Contrary to popular belief, Christianity is for those who have a need for healing, who feel that they don't belong. So if you had x-ray eyes right now, you could see who is hiding around you because we all have pain and suffering that needs a big dose of grace and love. That's why we're here today. So one of my favorite films is Little Man Tate. It's about a seven-year-old child genius named Fred Tate. His mother, Dee Dee, is played by Jodie Foster, and she is a waitress who just loves him, is trying to keep his life as normal as possible, and yet she knows what his, that he's a prodigy. She comes to the, um, Fred comes to the attention of a child psychologist, and the child psychologist really convinces Dee Dee that she's not good for him, that he is too smart, and she is a waitress and can't help him develop his intellectual gifts like this psychologist could. So she convinces Dee Dee to have Fred, little boy, move in with her. And she treats Fred like a science experiment, feeding him only certain foods, only letting him um, study. He just wants to be a cowboy and drink Coca-Cola, and she thinks that's the worst thing in the world, that, that the waitress has ruined him for this. The other students at college treat him like a freak, and. He knows that he doesn't fit in. He's only seven years old. So one day, he runs away from college. No one can find him, but his mother can. She knows him. She can find him because she loves him. When she does find him, instead of scolding him, she hugs him and says, listen, Freddie, the day you were born, the first minute I saw you, you know what I said? This kid is special. This kid's going to be different, and I'm not going to blow it. But sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I wing it. I figure I love this kid so much it's going to be okay, and it will. You'll see. And Fred knows he's really home and really loved for all of him, his heart, his mind, and his soul. So although you may feel like an outsider, like you don't fit in anywhere, Jesus feels about you the way Dee Dee feels about her little man Tate. Christ loves you so much that he sacrificed himself for you so that your heart would be healed from the inside out. He sees you as you are and loves you so you don't have to hide anymore. He loves you so much that it's going to be okay. Grace has made you free. Amen.